we haven't met, my name's Hannah, and I get to lead our hospitality team here on Sunday mornings, and I get to be a part of planning our scattering events that happen once a month. And then a couple times a year, I get to share the message with you. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. A few months ago, I read a book called Learning to Walk in the Dark by Barbara Brown Taylor, and it really got me thinking about how I'm processing kind of the darkness and chaos of this past year, uh, thinking about other kind of dark moments in my life, and it got me really thinking about just like the, the rhythms of light and dark that move throughout our life. So what do you think of when I... I say the word darkness, what comes to mind for you? And I just want to be clear, I'm not talking about the kind of darkness that we sometimes equate with evil. Uh, That's a different conversation. We can talk about that another time. But what do you think of when I say the word darkness? For me, I think of, the first thing I think of is physical darkness. I was reading this book in December, so it was dark at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was a very just physically dark time of the year, and I was thinking about those rhythms of light and dark that move throughout our yearly calendar. I was also thinking about maybe emotional darkness. Maybe that's a, a divorce or illness or another painful event or situation that you might be experiencing. For me, it was a lot of uh, fear-based kind of thinking. That's what came to mind for me. So what about you? What do you think of when I say the word darkness? I'm guessing if I asked you to write a list about what you think of when I say the word darkness, and then we compared all of our lists, I'm guessing that what looks like darkness to you and what looks like darkness to you and what looks like darkness to me, I'm guessing our lists would be very different. So this morning I want to start a conversation around darkness, and I want to ask just a couple questions. Can we introduce nuance into a conversation around darkness. I think nuance is going to be my 2021 word of the year because it seems like it's coming up a lot when I'm having a conversation or reading a book or listening to a podcast. I keep asking myself, how can we add some variety? How can we add some depth into this topic we're talking about? And that's what we're going to do with darkness this morning. How can we add some nuance into this conversation? And two... How can we grow and what can we learn from darkness? I, I just, I'll be fully honest with you. I'm nervous for this morning because I'm going to share with you a time in my life that I consider really dark. And the reason I, wa- I want to share with you this morning is because I think that if I'm starting this conversation on darkness and thinking about darkness and understanding how we can grow from darkness, I think I, I have the mic. It's my job to kind of be vulnerable and in hopes that you can be vulnerable in your community or with a spouse or with your friends or maybe even just with yourself. How can you be vulnerable with yourself this morning and as we think about darkness? So for me, uh, we're going to go back to December of 2012. I was a senior at college uh, at MSU down in Bozeman, and I went home for Christmas break. I went home to Glendive, and I was so excited. Well, not to go to Glendive, but... (laughs) 
I was so excited for my final semester of my undergraduate years at Bozeman. I had great friends. I was taking great classes. I loved, I was studying psychology and sociology. Loved studying that. And I just really wanted to go back with this last semester. I wanted to live it up. Just spend a lot of time with friends. Study really hard and just look forward to graduation. When I looked forward, it looked pretty good. Like, my life looked pretty good. The biggest bump that I could see in the road was, well, it's kind of a funny story, but it's a little side trail. So I was applying for graduation. I was supposed to graduate in May of 2013, and I got a call from the registrar, and they said, actually, you can't graduate. You missed a natural science credit a few years back, and so we're going to need you. Like, you can walk in May, but you're not getting your degree until you come back and take this approved, one of these approved classes for natural science, which is a huge bummer when you think you're graduating. And then I had to spend my summer studying astronomy, uh, which is actually an interesting class, but I didn't care about it at that point in my life. So note, if you're in college, get your natural science credits in when you're supposed to, so you don't have to come back after you graduate. Anyway, that was the biggest kind of bump in the road that I could see for me and my life for the next year or so. So I was at home. It was January of 2013 now. I was at home in Glendive, and I was getting ready to go back to Bozeman the next morning. My stuff was all packed up. I was ready. I was excited. And I got a Facebook message from one of my best friend's moms. My friend's name was Jocelyn. We were really good friends. We met my sophomore year of college. We were roommates for a while. She was one of my closest confidants in our undergraduate years. And it was weird I was getting this message from her mom. We were college friends. I'd not met her family or her sisters. And this message said, I need you to call me as soon as you get this. Which is always good, right? So I called her mom, I said, hey, you know, I got this message, what's going on? And it was in this conversation that I learned Jocelyn had started her drive back to Bozeman that afternoon. There had been a car accident, and she didn't make it. She wouldn't be joining us. And so I'll never forget, like, the kindness of her mom, just to be in that pain and that suffering of losing her oldest child, but still reaching out to me to make sure I didn't read about this on Facebook in a few hours. So I thought, okay, like, who else doesn't need to read this on social media? So I called my roommates. I called some of our closest friends and broke the news to them. And I made as many phone calls as I could until I just couldn't talk anymore. I was so upset. And I was at home. Like, my mom was great I had watched her lose a couple good friends to cancer when I was growing up, and so she was super comforting and and helpful in that time, but I still felt this need to be around people that were a part of my community at the time and people that would know what a tragedy and what a great loss this was for our community. So I went back to Bozeman the next morning, and I ended up at a friend's house for that evening, and there was a whole bunch of us there, and we spent the night and the early morning hours of the next day laughing and crying and sharing these memories and stories of our good friend Jocelyn. And it was really like in, you guys, that was a dark semester. That was a hard few months. But in that darkness, I I actually learned a lot, and it feels like I couldn't really see that until I was kind of 
removed or had started to recover a bit. But as I look back now, I learned a lot about God in that time. I, of course, I mean, I had all of the feelings. I was pissed off. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was sad. Um, But I have this memory of, I, I was sitting in my car. I'd just gotten home. I'd gotten off a late shift at work. And it was dark out, and I parked in the parking lot of our apartment building. And I just broke down. I, I cried and cried. And I remember feeling this sense of God just filling the car with me and going, I know you're angry. I know you're mad, but I'm here. Like, I know you feel pain, and I feel it too, and I'm here. Like, I just felt so close and, like, had this feeling of God with me, like, walking through me, through this pain and tragedy with me. I also learned a lot about community in that time. I had people who I hadn't talked to for um, several months or maybe even a year. I had people reaching out to me and texting me and messaging me. I had a really solid group of friends, and we were able to kind of grieve and walk through this time together. I also, I had two roommates at the time, and they were so good to me. They it's almost like they knew when I just needed to go in my room and shut the door. I'm the biggest introvert ever, and so I need that time and that space. And also, I have memories of them like opening my door, coming in and pulling me out and saying, we're going to dinner. Like, you need to take a shower. Here you go. Like, go in there. Get dressed. Okay, sweatpants don't count. Like, I need you to try again. We're going out. We're, we're moving forward here. And I so appreciated, like, their knowledge of when to push me and when to leave me alone. So as I was processing this past year and my Jocelyn's death a few years ago, I learned a few things. I came to a few conclusions. And one, darkness is hard. It sucks. Period, full stop. It's hard. And two... Out of darkness can come growth. Out of darkness can come light and hope. I think we, in our Western culture, I don't think we're good with darkness. Just think about physical darkness. We have so many lights and street lights and signs that light up and phones and screens and TVs. Like, we have so much light that we put out into our environment. It's actually messing with, like, animals' migration patterns. Like, I was reading this weird article about birds that get confused. It's called light pollution. Scientists actually have a name for it. It's called light pollution. We send out so much light because we're uncomfortable with physical darkness. I think, too, we're uncomfortable with emotional darkness. We have so many ways to numb and not feel those, those dark moments, whether that's scrolling, uh, scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or whatever that looks like for you, or Netflix, like the fact that they don't even like, it just keeps playing, that's dangerous. It just keeps going. You can binge so much, all the way to like substance abuse. We like to push away and eliminate darkness. But what if eliminating darkness is to eliminate part of the human experience. What if, as humans, we have this rhythm of light 
and dark. And we know that's true with physical darkness. We need light and dark to like wake our bodies up and then know when to rest and go to sleep. What if to be human is to experience light and dark, to experience great joy, knowing we'll also experience great pain? What if we'll experience anxiety, but also feelings of great overcoming? I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts about a month ago. It's called Pantsuit Politics. And they were talking about post-traumatic growth. And they had on a psychologist who is doing all this work on psychology around disaster, primarily how uh, students and people in their 20s kind of uh, process disaster. And what she was saying was in a, a typical kind of disaster, we walk through it in three phases. And generally, we walk through them together. I know there are disparities and equalities in how, like, how, what resources we have and how we walk through those. But let's take, for example, a snowstorm, because we're all familiar with those. So if our disaster is a snowstorm, we would get a prep period for this disaster. We would have a weather warning. You'd have time maybe to grab some batteries or flashlights or stock up on firewood. And then we've got impact. We have the actual event, the storm. And then we have a period of recovery where we would dig out, shovel out the driveway, shovel out the car, clear the roads, get the power back on, get back to school or work. We have these three pretty solid phases that we can track when moving through a traditional disaster. But she was saying the hard thing about this past year is we've been going through these three kind of processes all simultaneously. And it's been a long, like it's a long disaster. They're a long kind of darkness, if you will. You could have someone bracing for impact and still kind of preparing for the worst. You could have someone going through COVID or maybe they're sick. And you can also have someone who's recovered or vaccinated or ready to move on and find a new normal. And you can find those, I think, all of those examples in the same families and friend groups. And so it's hard when we're all moving through this at all different phases. And for me, that was really important in understanding and framing kind of where I'm at in processing this past year and this this kind of collective darkness and chaos. And also understanding like my frustration or annoyance when someone is in a different phase. I thought she used this phrase, caution fatigue, which I thought was really interesting. Like, yes, we're all tired. And I think just to like recognize that was really important for me. So I get that was a little bit of psych 101. So thanks for for humoring me in that. There are about a hundred references to darkness in the text. And when you think about it, it looks like it's pretty simple. Light equals good or life and darkness equals bad or death. And we can totally find examples that could maybe reinforce that belief. If we go to John 8, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Another example out of Psalms 
18, it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. But what if that isn't the whole story? What if that's not the whole story about darkness in the text? If we go to Genesis, we meet the Lord and Abraham. Actually, he's still Abram in this section. But after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You've given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. He said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. They weren't looking at the stars at noon. They were looking at the stars at night, in the dark. And I like this story really shows that darkness was a key factor, a really pivotal moment in Abraham deciding to trust the Lord. If we keep going, I know we're jumping around a lot, but we're in Exodus 14. So we've got Moses, and the Israelites have just come out of Egypt, and Moses is leading them, and they're at the Red Sea. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Did you catch it? The Red Sea was parted at night in the dark. This event that happened in the dark was a key part of the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt. So if we keep going, the Israelites are now at Mount Sinai and God and Moses are having this uh, interaction The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak to you and so trust you ever after. So God and Moses plan to meet on Mount Sinai in three days. And it looks like in three days, the weather's not really cooperating. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. So God and Moses are having this interaction, and Moses is kind of back and forth between God and the Israelites. God speaks the Ten Commandments at this point, and then Moses says to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and put the fear of him upon you so you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. What I like about this example of darkness is that it's not dependent on 
light or day or the sun or the moon. It's this example of like dangerous, divine darkness. And in that darkness is where Moses goes and meets God, like in this darkness. But as I was reading through the text, my favorite example of darkness has got to be in Matthew. So we just celebrated Easter and the resurrection a few weeks ago. I was really excited to, to discover this, so check this out. Joseph, who's one of the disciples, took Jesus' body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. Then he rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. So I don't know the last time you were in a cave or a tomb-like structure in the rock and someone rolled a giant boulder in front of you. I'd have a lot of questions, but also it would be very dark. And I love this example because out of darkness, out of this dark tomb comes life and resurrection and hope and growth. Out of this dark place comes new life. Have you ever arrived somewhere in the dark? I used to hate traveling and getting somewhere new at night because I felt like I couldn't see where I was, I couldn't scope out the landscape, like it was kind of stressful to me. And that happened when we went to Ecuador a few years ago with one of the narrate teams. We landed in Quito at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and it was pitch dark. And then we had this horribly windy bus ride that was three hours long and we got to finally this kind of compound where we were staying. And this whole experience was in the dark. And so I know I was like super cranky and tired and motion sick. And also when we got there, I was frustrated because I couldn't see like where we were or what the landscape looked like. I couldn't like check it out. And then the next morning, I remember getting up and I could like see where we were. I could see the landscape and I felt a lot more comfortable. And I remember thinking the same thing as we were driving back up to Quito a few days later to fly out. I remember thinking, oh good, I can see now. Like I can check out the landscape. I can see what's around me. But what if the dark provides this shift in perspective? What if darkness allows us to see or notice things that we would miss in the light. Like I realized nothing had physically changed from dark to light, but it looked so different. Like how does darkness offer this shift in perspective for us? I think moving forward, again, we have a lot of opportunity to add nuance to this conversation. I think It's exciting to think how we can get outside of this binary thinking that light equals good and dark equals bad. How can we add nuance to this conversation and and kind of think outside of those binary lines? How do we learn and how do we grow out of darkness? I realize I can only speak to experiences in my life and I'd love to sit down with you and continue this conversation or what this looks like for you if, if you would like to do that. And I think it's important too to keep in mind, uh, just be really kind with yourself, understand where you're at kind of in our mental processes. How are you processing this? And just noticing that I think is super helpful. I notice in my life when I look back at 
darker moments, like the one I shared with you this morning, they were hard. And also, it's those really dark moments that have made me who I am today. They've really, for me, solidified like what's important to me in life. Those moments have transformed my relationship with God and Like I shared earlier, I didn't realize just how important community and friends and that kind of support was. And I honestly then hadn't really thought about it again until this past year. I realized that's so important to me. Out of dark moments, I believe, can come just new perspective and new growth. I think moving just out of the darkness of this past year we have an opportunity as you're ready to learn and grow. How can we learn from darkness? Like where does God show up in darkness in your life? And what would it look like to learn to walk in the dark? So I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna come up and lead us in one final song. God, thanks for just this morning and this time to be together and study your word. We ask for guidance and and hope just as we experience those dark moments in life. Help us to understand just the rhythms, the rhythms of life. God, we love you so much. Amen. If you would like to learn more about Narrate Church, find us at narratechurch.org or look us up on Facebook and Instagram.